presence of the Lord here during worship. And I don't know, whenever I feel the presence of the Lord, I just, like Rhonda, you know, you, you hear his voice. Anyways, the Lord showed me a vision of this river, whether it be any river, but he was on the other side. And it's like your heart says, Lord Jesus, I want to be with you. And you can see, you feel his love beckoning you to come to him. And the Lord was saying, you know, like the children of Israel, they were continually stayed in the, in the wilderness. They were always in the wilderness. And the Lord wanted to bring them to the promised land. And the Lord is saying to us this morning, why are you staying in the wilderness? I want you to come to higher places. I want to take you to higher places. I want you to come. I'm beckoning you to come to me. Now, this river is roaring. <laughs> how am I? Have you ever seen that river, the St. Clair River? I, I, I don't know. How could I get across there to you? But the Lord is just saying, would say to you, take the first step. That's a step of faith. Take that first step, and I will part the waters. You know, if your love is, and the Lord, he has something greater for you. He's always taking us to higher places, but it's faith. It's our faith. It's our trust in him. So I just believe the Lord is speaking to many of us this morning, and he's saying, take that step. Come to me, and you will see how great I am. I hope that uh, I hope that was recorded because it could not fit any better. Um, both of those this morning with what I just feel is on His heart for us, and sometimes like we have we have um, uh, comfort levels of where we're open to receive, or you know we expect oh the, we'll hear through the message, you know through through the word. But I just I, I love that thought of just being ready to listen at all times. Uh, because it's it's those moments. Holy Spirit's presence is always around us. It's 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 our uh, recognition or intent of listening to Him that's usually not 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 uh, uh, open. And so this morning, I, man, my heart. I hope that um, yours as well is just open to His His voice this morning. Uh, and we're just we're just going to jump right in. Um, uh, at the beginning of this year, we did a series called Journey with Jesus, and we spent oh probably twelve weeks just. I, I guess imagining what it would be like to be a disciple in the very first century. What would it look like to follow Jesus when he was actually on the planet? When when you could physically see him, where did he go? And and if you followed him there, and and what did he say? If you could hear it with your own words, and we we challenged um, ourselves to 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 figure out how that applies to our life today, because because it does. And um, so this morning. You know, as I thought about, uh, in prepping for this, thought about the end of that. You know, when Jesus died and rose from the grave and went to, to heaven, it's kind of where that, that, uh, that series obviously ended. And yet I was challenged to think about the fact that, that that journey with Jesus did not end at that point. And so I want to share a little bit uh, with you uh, on that this morning. Um, but um, in keeping in line with, uh, you know, just what was mentioned here, have you ever wanted a deeper relationship with someone? You know, I hear, that, I hear that river thing of, you know, God wanting a deeper relationship. But have you ever wanted a deeper relationship with someone? I think about, like, there's, there's, there's things where you want, like, 
you know, maybe it sounds a little corny, but maybe having a deeper relationship with a pet, you know, you're just like, in our house, we just got a dog, and the dog loves everyone except Beth. Uh, We don't know why. We think there must have been some, you know, hot blonde woman who, like, yelled at this dog in her previous life, and so she doesn't want anything to do with Beth, um, man's best friend, I guess. But, you know, Beth tries to feed it, tries to, tries to get, you know, Reba to, to pay attention at nothing. Like, there's just nothing, and, you know, so she yearns for this deeper relationship. <laughs> uh, but but uh, maybe for you, it's, it's, it's other things, you know? Maybe you're in high school, and there's that, that girl in high school, you're like, oh, you're so into her, but she, you know, you, you ask her, and she's like, I I think we just want to be friends. And you're like, oh, you know, I wish it could be more than that. Or, or maybe, you know, the children, they're not here, but maybe there's children who just wish they could have a deeper um, relationship with a parent. And they always feel like, oh, you know, my parent's just always too busy. But I wish I could have a, a deeper relationship with my parent. Or maybe it's parents and the opposite. You're like, I just wish I could have a relationship with my teens. I was talking with somebody this week. He's like, oh, you got young kids? Don't worry, it gets easier. He said, as soon as they turn teenagers, they want nothing to do with you and you have freedom. And I'm like, I, I don't want freedom, you know? I would love for my kids to, like, still want to hang out with me, but maybe that's you. You're like, you know, I just, I want a relationship with them, but no, Dad, you're not cool. We don't want to hang out with you at all. They want nothing to do with you. Uh, or maybe it's your spouse. You know, there's so many, so many times people find themselves in that place. It can be the toughest one, the one you committed, you know, the rest of your life to spend your life with, and, and it used to be close, and it used to be connected, and it used to be, be uh, conversational, and, and now it just seems distant. You know, it's like, it's just not the same as it once was. And, and you wish that it could be deeper. You wish that you could be close. You wish you could share your heart with them or just know what's going on inside their brain. But all they watch is like Sportsnet, you know, like you wonder. It'd be difficult. And, you know, one thing that, um, one thing we can have is the desire for a deeper relationship, but we can't make it happen. You try, you, you can't make something like that happen. You can create opportunities for it to happen, but you can't make it happen because it involves another person. So with that in mind, I just want to take you back to the group of disciples who followed Jesus all around the planet and to that, to that place where they followed him right up to the end. He had a, a couple final conversations with them. I say a couple because he had a final conversation with them before he died uh, on the cross, and he had a final conversation with them before he uh, went to heaven. And uh, he was saying, you know, the, the journey, this journey of following me, it's not ending as I leave. It's just changing. And so the verses I want to just share with you this morning, we've looked at them a number of times because they really are the mission of the church. But But I want to look at them from a different angle this morning. And so here they are real quick. Mark 16, verse 15 to 16. This is where Jesus was saying to his disciples before he left. He said, he told them, go into all the world and preach good news to everyone. What's the good news? The good news is that there is is forgiveness of sin, which every one of us has. There uh, There is the fact that when we stand before judgment someday for giving an account of what we've done, there's forgiveness and there's freedom for us and there's eternal life for us. You know, life doesn't end at death. We will see not only him, but our loved ones again. It's, he says, go and preach that good news to everyone. And anyone who, here's the things, anyone who believes and anyone who's baptized, they'll be saved. And it, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Just keep those words in, in mind. Matthew 28, Matthew also an eyewitness who is there. He writes, this is what Jesus said. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So therefore you go, go and make disciples. He said, go preach the good news and go make disciples of all nations. And what do you say? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, in a journey, we talk about a journey, every, everyone knows that a journey requires steps. 
You know, you don't, the journey doesn't happen if you're standing still. And a journey with Jesus required them to take steps of, I'm going to follow Jesus. And, and for some, like if I were to ask you, where, where are you at on your journey of faith? Some of you are like, I don't know. Like, what's a step? What's not a step? Like, I mean, I'm here today. Isn't that something? It's something. But as I look at the life of Jesus, I realize he kind of gave some distinct steps of where you could say, okay, this is where, this is where we're at. And, and one of the steps was this. He would simply say to, 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 to people all, all the time, would you follow me? Step one is like, follow me. And crowds would gather around. And there maybe you're here this morning and you would relate to this. The crowds would gather around because they're just curious. Like, why are all those people going to church on Sunday morning? Why are all the cars in the parking lot? You know, what's in those brownies? I just want to know. I just want to come and see experience. What, what's up with this church? Why do kids run in and cry when they have to leave? Like, what, what's going on with that? And maybe you just have you know, questions about faith. You come to church, and you're, like, you're hoping that maybe those questions will be answered. Well, crowds would follow Jesus all the time. And they'd sit on the perimeter, and they'd watch him. And, and they, some of them are like, well, last time he fed people, so maybe this time he's going to feed us. Or maybe like, I saw him cast out a demon once. Maybe that'll happen today. And it's like, maybe there'll be some entertainment. Maybe there would be, uh, maybe they needed healing. And they were on the, the, the fringe just saying, well, we'll follow you around because just maybe, maybe. And maybe that's you this morning. Just there's a curiosity um, that you have. Uh, and, and, but he would always say to the crowd, he'd call them out like his individuals. Hey, you know, not just being part of the crowd, would you come follow me? Dang, kids. Just kidding. We love those kids when they're quiet. <laughs> uh, step one, he says, come follow me. Come follow me. Step two, he said, he would often say to them, you know, not just, just, follow, not just follow me as a crowd. That's not what this thing is about. Not just kind of hang out in church on Sundays. He'd say this, trust in me. He would call individuals to say, you, you know, you're part of the crowd, but I want it more than that. I'm on the other side of the river and I'm saying, would you trust in me? Would you take a step towards me? He would say to the disciples, he's like, you know what? Um, I'm leaving. And he says, you trust that there's a God. And he says, would you put your trust in me? Because he said in, the, in those verses, you know, he who believes. And we, I hear this all the time. There's people who say, oh, I believe there's a God. And I'm like, oh, good. They believe there's a God. They're good. They're not good. All the people in the crowd believed that there was a God. But that wasn't enough. Jesus was saying, I don't want you just to believe that there is a God. I want you to put your trust in this God, putting your trust in the fact that Jesus died for me. This is not just like a Sunday thing. This is not just a crowd thing. This is like, I'm, I'm betting my life. I'm betting my eternity. I'm betting the fact that when I die someday, that it doesn't end, that I'm going to stand before Jesus and he's going to look at my life and he's going to look and realize, well, there's a, there's a fail, fail, epic fail, 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 fail. And then he's going to say, but I took care of all that. And I'll be like, I'm so grateful that I trusted you and not me. But Jesus often called people. He said, would you come and would you trust me? He's saying that today, this morning as well. And then there's step three. Not just trust in me, but identify with me. Identify with me. You know, baptism is one of those things. People are like, what, why do we do water baptism? Water baptism is the idea of identifying with Jesus where a grown adult goes in front of people and goes in water and where they get dunked under and they come back up. They're saying, you know what? Why am I doing that? Because my old man is now dead. My old man died with Christ on that cross, and now I've been raised to live a new life with him. Paul said it in Galatians 2.20. He says, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. I identify my life with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. 
And the life which I'm now living in the flesh, I'm living by faith, by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I remember memorizing that as a kid. I was thinking I was 15 years old. But realizing that's what Paul's saying. I identify my life with, with someone other than me. And he's calling us to that. Is that, your, is that your life? Is that the step? And then finally, step four. And these are not all the steps, but this is another one of them. Step four is simply this. Walk with me. Not just follow me. Not just be part of the crowd. Not just put your trust in me as your savior. Not just identify with me. Yeah, my old man's dead. I'm living a new life. But walk with me. Walk with me. That idea of deeper relationship. That I am with you always. I want you to walk with me. I want to look a little bit more this morning at what he means by that. But as we go there, would you just take a quick, you know, quick heart check? What step would you say you're on? You don't have to shout it out. That's quite all right. Just for you. What step are you on? You feel sometimes that maybe, you know, you're in between steps. Maybe you're going to say, I might have been at step four at one point, but I'm not sure today. Well, all through the Bible, we see God's desire to have deeper relationship with people. And again, that picture of being on the other side of the river saying, I want relationship with you. We see it all the time. You know, he wanted a relationship with his creation. We'd watch creation reject that opportunity. With Adam and Eve, he's walking with them in the garden every day. Wouldn't it be cool if God just showed up at your place every day and you'd have a chance to ask him all those burning questions in your heart? God, why did you create mosquitoes? Seriously. You know, ticks. Like, what was the plan? Oh, the enemy created. Okay, well, that might, whatever. Whatever questions burn in your heart. Lord, teach me how women think. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> if he answers any one of your prayers on that, please let me know. Um, those things, those burning questions. Well, Adam and Eve had that every single day. And, and then here they are. They're like, you know, God walks them like, yeah, well, we, we, maybe there's something better. Something better? Well, they pursued something better. And the world has never, never been the same ever since. God had this nation that he chose and said, you know what? <laughs> I'm not willing to be separated from humanity forever. Let me choose this nation. They're not strong. They're not, there's nothing incredible about them, but I'm going to choose them because I want to do something through them. Chose Abraham. And as he, as he decided to walk with this nation, he would keep calling themselves. Listen, I'll be your God. You be my people. I'll be your God. You might be my people. Like, you're our God. Wait, we want that God. Oh, no, that one wasn't good. We'll be, we want you again. And they would just waffle back and forth. He wanted deeper relationship, but he couldn't make it happen. They kept following other gods. Even Jesus, when he was on the planet, he was by Jerusalem one day. And just says, one of the, Luke writes down, he says, there was Jesus looking at Jerusalem saying, man, I love these people. And I wish, I wish that I could just gather them. They're like, they're, 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 in, they're in pain, they're hurting, they're empty, they're lost. I just wish I could just gather them. Sort of like a hen gathers chicks under her wings. And if you've seen it, you know, it's like there's no, there's no greater like, um, picture of just that safety and contentment of those little chicks under the wings. Of the, and he's like, I just wish I could do that to them. But, but he says, but they won't let me. They're not willing. Sometimes we think, you know, God, he should be able to do anything. God can do anything, right? That's what I learned as a kid. But there's things that God can't do. He can't make people love him then or now. He can't make people enter a deeper relationship. He can't make people take that first step across the river. He can only invite them to. He, can't, he can command, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we learned a couple of weeks ago that just because there is a law doesn't mean that law gives you the power to keep it. 
And though God desired relationship with each one of us, he can't make us love him. Did you know that the God of the universe wants a relationship with you? Think about that for a second. High school students, think about that for a second. The God of all creation, whether you believe he exists or not even, he wants to know you. He wants you to know him. He creates opportunity for that by sending his son to say, listen, I'll take out all the things in the way. I'll take the guilt, the shame, the sin, everything that, that hinders us from having a relationship. I'm gonna, I'll do all of that, but you still got to take a step in my direction. He didn't send Jesus to start another religion. He didn't send Jesus so that we could have church services, so that I could have a job. He sent Jesus because he wanted you to have a relationship with Heavenly Father. That is a powerful thought. So if you're just like, oh, Christianity's church, man, you're missing out on the best part of Christianity. <laughs> you really are. It's what he desires, his close relationship with us. Well, the early disciples, they got a taste of what that was like. They got to hang out with Jesus. They'd have close relationship with him. You know, they would be able to talk with him. Uh, it's like the song, he walks with me, he talked with me, and he tells me I'm his own. You know, he probably told them the greatest jokes. They probably had the greatest time together. It was an amazing, amazing experience with them. They got to live out what all the prophets had said, God with us. They got to experience that in a real way. And then just when they thought it was, you know, they could just see the future of how good it was going to get, because if you've got the most powerful person on the planet in your posse, man, the, like, the end is limitless. And so they're like, man, this guy, he's going to take over Rome. The crowds are with us. If he's number one, we're going to be in charge. Like, this is going to be great. And then Jesus changes everything with one conversation. And that's the one I want to look at today. They're sitting around the dinner table where they had lots of conversations. And so Jesus says to them, um, and John, the reason we know it is because there were some eyewitnesses there who wrote it down. There's a guy named John. He wrote, uh, he wrote down the whole conversation. We're not going to go through the whole thing today. It's John chapter 14 all the way to 16. You can read it on your own if you, if you want to check it out. But here's what, here's what happens. They hear what Jesus says, but they don't quite understand. It, Jesus tells them, he's like, listen, fellas, I know you think we're going to take over Rome, but we're not. He says, actually, let me tell you something. I'm leaving. And where I'm going, you can't come. It's kind of like he's like, I'm breaking up with you. If you've ever been on that side where somebody breaks up with you and says, you know, sorry, you know, it's not you, it's me. What they mean is it's you and you can't do anything about it to change my mind. And Jesus is basically saying the same thing to them. Listen, I'm leaving and you can't do anything to change my mind and you can't come with me. I'm like, yes, we can, we will. No, he's like, no, you can't. I'm like, this is terrible. What do you mean we can't, we can't come with you? What, what are we going to do? Uh, how do we change your mind? He's like, listen, let me just tell you what it's going to be like on the, this, our journey when I'm not here anymore. And here's what he says in John 16, verse 7. The Amplified Version just takes the Greek words and actually gives you all of the meanings of them so you have a better understanding of what it says. He says, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. It's actually to your advantage that I'm leaving. And they're like head scratching, like, what, wait, no, what do you mean our advantage? Like, it's better that you're leaving? He says, yeah, I'm going to go away. For if I don't go away, the helper, who's the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, your counselor, your strengthener, the one who stands by you, he says, he's not going to come to you. But if I go, I'll send him, the Holy Spirit, to be in close fellowship with you. It's going to be better for you if I go away. And like, you know, Jesus, it's not going to be better. We've waited thousands of years for you to show up. You're the Messiah. We finally, you're finally here, and now you're going to leave? And he's like, we have a great relationship, but it's going to be better. And they're upset. They don't understand. They can't figure it out. He's like, but I'm going to send a helper who's going to be in close fellowship with you. And maybe they're thinking, we already have close fellowship with you. 
We, we don't, we, we like hanging out with you. We don't, whoever this Holy Spirit guy is, we don't want him. We just want you. And Jesus, I can picture saying, listen, fellas, that's not going to work on a large scale. That might work for you, Matthew, and, you know, for Peter and James, you know, and John, but that's not going to work for Charlie. That's not going to work for Gary. That's not going to work for Barry. That's not going to work for June. That's not going to work for Dale. That's not going to work for Derek. That's not going to work for this Peter or Rhonda. And you can just picture the disciples like, who cares about those people? I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did. Because he said, you know what? <laughs> this might work for now, but it ain't going to work for later. Can, can you guys just, he maybe said to the disciples, can you just imagine? Just imagine what it's going to be like for my followers one day sitting in Kingsway Church if they want to talk to me. This is what it might look like. Those people are going to have to travel. They're going to have to get on a plane. They're going to have to go to drive all the way to Toronto through the traffic, get on a plane, fly to Tel Aviv. Then they're going to have to rent a car, drive to Galilee, navigate through crowds of millions of people. If you think about that, even if Jesus had just 60 seconds with each person, 60 seconds with each person who was ahead of you in line. You know, if there's a, he could probably see 840 people a day if we let him work for 14 hours and let him sleep a little bit. 840 people a day. It's going to take him three years to see a million people. And finally, after three years, you get up to him. and He's like, yes, child, what would you like? I forget. <laughs> three, three years, like, he's like, this is not going to work on a large scale. Do you fellas see? Here's what he says. He says, I have another plan. John 14, verse 16, he says, I'm going to ask the father. He's going to give you another advocate. But he says another, this actually means another of the exact same thing. So it's not like apples to oranges. He's like, this is apples and apples. I'm going to send you another of the exact same thing. And he's never going to leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because they're not looking for him. They don't recognize him. But you guys, you're going to recognize him. Why? Because he lives with you now. He's like, you know how you're going to recognize him? Because I'm him. I'm him. And he says, you know what? And he's, he's, um, he's later, he's going to be um, or say he lives with you now, later he's going to be in you. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. And they sit there thinking, Jesus, what do you mean? You, you're leaving, but we can't go with you. Then you're going to send this guy named Holy Spirit back, but he's you? And then he's going to live in us? Like, how does this? We don't get it. We don't get it. And he's like, don't worry. You will understand when it happens. He's like, I'm leaving so I can come back in a different form. I'm not going to be just God with you anymore. I'm going to be God in you. That's an incredibly powerful thought. Incredibly powerful when you think about it. And maybe for them, the light bulb moment was like, oh, oh, no, I don't get it. And they didn't. They had no idea. They were still trying to fight for Jesus not to die. And yet he knew that that was the only way. But they got it later. And Luke writes this whole document called Acts simply because of what happened as a result of when they got it. They got to, uh, they got to see Holy Spirit the spirit of Jesus, to have close fellowship with him, just like they had close fellowship with Jesus. And so the disciples, they got to experience it. And, and they, so they began to write about it. They began to write to new believers, hoping new believers like us, people here, would get to experience what they experienced. So guys like Peter started writing stuff down. Paul, Luke, John, they wrote down these things. Uh, Paul actually uh, has this experience and Luke is with them. And Luke writes it down. And it's in Acts chapter 19, verse 1. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul was traveling through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus. So real places, real, real place. He found several believers there. In verse 2, he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? You picture Paul, he meets these people. They're like, yeah, yeah we're, we're believers. We believe that there's a God. He's like, yeah, but did you receive Holy Spirit? 
I'm like, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And you can imagine Paul just like, wait, wait a second, how do you, how, what did you believe in? Like, how did you not know there's a Holy Spirit? He says, what, in verse three, what baptism did you experience if you didn't experience that one? They replied, well, we experienced the baptism of John. And Paul said, well, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus and the spirit of Jesus as well. Verse, um, verse five, he says, well, as soon as they heard this, as soon as they heard it, so he's like, oh, there's a Holy Spirit? As soon as they heard it, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Paul laid his hands on them and the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. Something happened to them. They had an incredible experience and there was about 12 men in all. You start hearing that and you're like, oh, in interesting. It wasn't just like, oh, I just believe there's a God. They experienced him. It wasn't like, oh, okay, I just believe there's a Holy Spirit. They experienced Holy Spirit. It's a whole different thing to know something and to experience something. I got to learn that last weekend. Some people bought me this incredible gift. They sent me for, a, to, for the opportunity to drive a Ferrari. Before, yeah, I have a picture. I know, it was beautiful. Before I got to drive the Ferrari, all I knew, people, I was like, I'm going to go drive a Ferrari. People were like, oh yeah, what model is it? I'm like, it's red. <laughs> and so I got to the track and and they give you the instructions at the track and they're telling you, all right, so we're going to go super fast and we're going to have fun. This is all the stuff you got to do. And like when you get to the double cones, you got to start braking or others, you're going to go off the track. I was like, okay, okay, no problem. And then I get in that Ferrari and I sat there and the instructor tells me, he's like, okay, man, he says, you just listen to me. Whatever I tell you, we're going to go super fast and we're going to have, I'm like, I don't want to go super fast. I'm like, this is my one chance to sit in a Ferrari and it costs a lot of money and I just want to get my money's worth and savor the experience driving slowly around the track. <laughs> he looks at me, he's like, you should have gone to a car show. This is not that. <laughs> so so he, he's, he says to me, he's like, okay. He's like, we're, we're going to go for a drive. And he's like, and there's five other cars behind you. So like, just, you know, step on it. And so I drive and I drive down the straightaway first. And I get to the double cones. I start braking. He's like, why are you braking? I'm like, because the instructor said you're supposed to break. He's like, that's if you're going fast. You're not going fast. He's like, you're driving this like a minivan. I'm like, that's what I drive. And I, so I, I drove around the whole road course. And at the end, like they had told us, you know, don't, you're not going to be able to have a conversation with your instructor because it's just going to be like this. And, and, but we're talking the whole time as I'm driving. I'm like, do hey, you ever get scared? He's like, you know, normally everyone else scares the crap out of me except for you. And he's like... <laughs> No lie. So we get to the end of lap one and there's three laps. He's like, okay, just hold on a second. He's like, he says, I just, this lap, I just want you to listen to me. Don't do, don't do whatever you're thinking. Just do what I tell you to do. I was like, okay. And he's like, and you stop shifting. I'm going to shift. And say so the paddle shifter, he's like, all right, ready? Here's what you do. Just put the pedal to the metal and hold on. I'm like, okay. So I put the pedal to the metal. He starts shifting through the gears. And all of a sudden we're like, I watched the speedometer just start hitting like 100, like really fast. And then all of a sudden it's like 150. I'm like, the cops come at this speed. I've recently received a ticket. I'm like, oh, and I'm starting. He's like, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. And it just keeps going. 200, 220, 230, 240, 250. And I'm like, oh, then the double cone show up. He's like, break, break hard, break hard, break hard. He's like, what are you doing? Break hard. I'm like, okay. And finally, I break. I go around that corner. I was like, oh, 
I'm like, I had no idea they made a machine like this. I had no idea it would stop. I was like, this, this is incredible. Can we do it again? He's like, yes, we can do it again. Let's go and zip around the track. Let me do it again. I was like, man, there was such a difference between that first thing and the second. To hear about a Ferrari, read about, watch other people drive Ferraris, and then to experience it. No one else can ever explain to me what that experience is like. So I started looking on Kijiji for Ferraris. <laughs> So we're going to take up a couple extra offerings at the end of the service just so I can experience. Can I just tell you something? That's just a Ferrari. The very presence of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is what Paul was trying to help them understand. I want you to experience God in you. Like you think you've got things going in life. This, it's like supercharged the engine of your life. You will never, never regret the opportunity of having experienced him. And some of you are like, well, that's the part that scares me, you know? Like, I don't want to speak in tongues. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. It's so much more than just that. If you speak in tongues, awesome. You know, if it's going to be something else, awesome. If God heals you, it's going to be awesome. But, but, but shortly after this experience that Paul had, it was like these people like, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. He's like, that's not going to go. So he begins to write this letter. Sits down. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to explain this thing so that people don't have this experience again. He writes this letter called Romans. Love it. We're studying it right now, verse by verse. It's going to take us a whole, almost a whole year to go through. But he begins to say, this is what, here's the aftermath of what Jesus said. You know, Jesus explained to the disciples, this was what's going to happen. He's like, well, this is what happened, and here is how it affects you. He says, this is what the good news is all about. He spends seven chapters explaining that men, <laughs> men suck, and women too. You know, you guys are like, everybody's a sinner. You're so broken. You try and keep the rules. You can't even do that. He's like, just agree with me that all humanity is just, you know, in, in a dire strait of trouble. And like, as you read, you're like, yeah, he makes it so clear. And he's like, and then, you know, people try and keep rules to feel better. And that doesn't work. We agree. We agree. And then he says, but he says, it's about this idea of always been about the idea of trusting. Like, okay, we see that. And then he comes to the spot where it's this good news of Jesus is that you can trust in, in him. And then chapter eight, he says, and you know what sets you free from all of that? Not more rules, not religion, not anything like that. He says, it's the spirit of life and Christ Jesus sets you free from all of that. And he begins to use this word spirit. He talks in one chapter, just in a few verses about what life in the spirit is like. 22 times he mentions these things. And here's what he says. You can check it up later. Read Romans 8. If you had only one portion of scripture in your whole life to read, that would be the one to have. He explains it this way. He said, there's no condemnation for those who um, are in Christ Jesus, who live according to the spirit. No condemnation. Condemnation sucks. We feel guilty all the time, feel shame. He's like, there's none of that for those who, who live in the Spirit. He's like, it's living by the Spirit that you're free from trying to follow rules. He says, you try and do Christianity with rules, it's just going to be empty. He's like, you just focus on Holy Spirit. It's like pedal to the metal. Here you go. You know, he says, set your mind on the Spirit, and you'll experience life and peace. See, we too often set our mind on everything else going on around us. We experience anxiety and stress and fear and ultimately it leads to death in, in, in all areas of our life. He's like, you know what? Romans 8, 11, he says, that spirit on the inside of you, that's the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. You got healing things? He can heal your body. He can heal your body. He is that powerful. He says, simply, you know, follow his lead in your life. From 8, verse 13, he says, you follow his lead, you'll put to death those desires in your flesh, struggle with addictions, said it before. He said, get your eyes on me because that'll deal with all that kind of stuff. And he says in verse 26, he even helps you with the weaknesses in your, area, in your life. He says, you know what to pray for? I'll help you. I'll even pray for you. I'm praying for you. got God praying for you. What an incredible thing. 
you really should be cheering a whole lot louder about that, which tells me, I just hope that that gets in your heart. The realization of what this was all about, that God desires deeper relationship with you. So as we close up this morning, Paul describes it in relational terms. Same chapter, he says in Romans 8, 14, for all of you who are led by the Spirit of God, for all of you who just get it, that it's, it's about living by the Spirit. He says, you're the children of God. You're not God like this angry guy in the sky who's just going to punish you for, for making a misstep. Good parents don't do that. Good parents, they see you make a mistake. They sit down with you and say, let's talk about that. <laughs> How did that end up? Mm, not too good. How could it have ended up? Not too good. Maybe we make a different decision. Yeah, yeah, maybe we make a different decision. All right, you know, and they encourage. It's like you make a mistake, your parents are like, we hate you. You're not in the family anymore until you get your act together. No. How many people think that about God? He simply says, you know what? You're his children. You've received a spirit that makes you, um, or you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves of him. He says, instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. We call him Abba, Father. Though those words, when they said Abba and Father, there's a Hebrew and a Greek, an Aramaic and a Greek, one of them means just like daddy. Can I just call, like almighty God wants me to call him daddy? Or whatever you're comfortable with. But a relational term. Something like this is, this is not like almighty God and little peons on the planet. It's deeper than that. At least it's what he wants. He says, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. Since we're his children, we're his heirs. <laughs> There's the incredible inheritance. You think about, that's a whole different thing. In fact, together with Christ, we're heirs of God's glory. But if, we are share, if we're to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Sometimes we're like, we don't want suffering. He says, but guess what? When you've been in eternity a thousand years and you look back at the three years of suffering you had on the planet, it's going to feel like nothing compared to the glory that you got to experience. Here's what he says, John 16 again. I'm going to send Holy Spirit because I want close fellowship with you. God wants close fellowship with me. He wants close fellowship with you, but he can't make that happen. He can't make it happen. John wrote to the churches in Revelation. To one of the churches, he described Jesus as this. He stands at the door and he knocks. Like he's not like all-powerful God's going to bust the door down. I'm going to make you love me no matter what. No, he, he simply comes in with that thing saying, hey, there's an invitation. There's an invitation to open the door. There's an invitation to take a step with me. There's an invitation to have close fellowship with the God of the universe. It's what I want with you, but I can't make it happen. And so this morning, that's the invitation to each of us. It's not a salvation thing. It's a relationship thing. You know, that it, it, for so many, it's just simply that step of saying, I don't want empty Christianity. And his desire for us is that we would have close fellowship with him, close fellowship with you. Uh, and just closing thought, the same things that hinder close fellowship with, with uh, one another are the same things that hinder close fellowship with God. Busyness. You know, how many marriages would be so much better off if, if the spouses weren't so busy with everything? Intimacy or close fellowship requires time. I know some of you are nudging. That's, um, that's good. They're getting it. Don't worry. Intimacy requires time. Time together. That same thing with close fellowship with him. It's just time, just awareness. It's not like, oh, I guess I'll go home today and pray for three hours. <laughs> nah, but let's start with three minutes and just say, listen, you know, I just want time, time to listen. I love the prayer night we had here a little while back. We just sat down for maybe 10 minutes, just silent. Like, how's that a prayer meeting? Just listening. And I was made aware of how, how rarely do I spend that amount of time in a row just simply listening 
But that's a part of it. Man, man, relationships grow and that honesty is a big part of it. You know, dishonesty just kills intimacy in relationships in, in a huge way. And it's like, he's saying, would you just open your heart to me? And you're like, I don't want God to see what's in me. He already knows what's in your heart. He's like, would you just open the door to me? Fear sometimes. Maybe you're afraid. Like, you know, uh, if, I, if I go a little deeper with God, then he's going to make me give all my stuff away. He's probably going to send me to Haiti. Like, he's gonna, he, he takes my loved ones or whatever. Do you realize you have nothing to fear for the, from the, the, the greatest heavenly father? <laughs> There's nothing to fear. He's for you. He gave his son for you. Paul said it this way, last verse, Philippians 3.8. He says, you know what? Everything in this world is worthless when compared with the infinite value of what? Knowing Jesus Christ. Not just believing in him, knowing him, just knowing him. For his sake, I've discarded everything else. I counted all this garbage so I could gain Christ. And he says, you know what? It's that relationship of knowing Holy Spirit. You're like, well, is Holy Spirit, you know, God? Like, is, what's the Father, the Son? Holy? They're, they're all God. He's just God. God in you. God in you. Is your heart open to it this morning? He desires relationship with us, sent his son to make that possible for us, sent Holy Spirit to live in us, but he can't make that relationship happen. Final thought. You know when you send out invitations? Invitations require an RSVP. And for those of you who put out there, please RSVP, you're just repeating yourself. Some of you will look that up and understand it later. It requires a response, and this one does as well his invitation to relationship, him standing on the other side of that river saying, hey, would you come take a step? Him saying, hey, would you take a step? Requires a response. And that response is just one step. Would you take one step this morning? And so just as I put that faith journey picture back up there for a minute, where are you at? Where are you at? What's the step that he's calling you today? Maybe you're here and you're, you're, you're not even at step one yet. Step one is your step where you, maybe you sat, or, sat in church or maybe it's the first time you've ever been to church and you just heard the words, there's a God who loves you, there's a God who forgives, that there's a God who wants to know you. And you're just like, I don't know all the answers, Jesus, but I'll take that one step. I'll trust you. I'll trust you. I'll trust what you say. Maybe for you, it's like, you know, identifying with him. Maybe for you, you're, you say, yeah, I trust Jesus, but you, you haven't been baptized in water. What's holding you up? Because as a follower of Jesus, it's like saying, you know, you're my new master. Okay, I'll follow you. I, I don't want to go in the water in front of a whole bunch of people. Well, that fear and that pride, they're hindering you from step four. So if you want to get baptized, let us know. We'll make it happen. We'll do it like one of those weeks where the long weekend where like nobody's here. But why, why let anything hinder you from it? And the last one, walk with me. That's the one he's inviting each of us to every single day. Would you walk with me? Would you walk with me today? I'm telling you, once you experience that, you realize when it's not happening in your life and you realize just how powerful it is when it is. That is what he desires from us this morning. How will you respond? Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your spirit. Thank you for coming, for living in us, for taking... Uh, these messy places and just cleaning them up for your glory. Thank you for saving us. Holy Spirit, sometimes we just even forget to be aware of you. Thank you for moments like this morning. Just hear your word and hear your voice. Thank you for speaking through Brian, speaking through Rhonda, probably others here today as well. Just, again, we set our minds on you. 
Lord, you know where each person is at in this place. My hope, my prayer this morning is that each of us would know the step you desire us to take and that we would gratefully take it. Lord, we welcome your presence in our lives as we go through today with you. <laughs> May it be a day like no other. I pray, Lord, that people would experience your love, that they'd experience your goodness, and that they'd experience you today. May people around us just be intrigued by that very thing. In your beautiful name that I pray, amen.